Grambling is starting spring practice with no offensive coordinator. Let's see if we can make that major hole a little bit more minor. And Southern has completely collapsed at the end of basketball season. And we put a special twist on today's Feature Friday. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day and we're free and available on all platforms including youtube shout out to y'all who are looking at my face my pretty little face i got a nice never mind same time for that apologies thank you for going on this journey with Mega locked on hbcu your first listen of the day every day we're free and available on all platforms including youtube where you can see our video content but we're starting off today discussing grambling state they're starting spring practice today and they do not have an offensive coordinator This is a major hole, right? You never want to start spring practice without a coordinator, but I do have a way to make it a little bit more minor. Now, this is the third. They're looking for their third offensive coordinator before the season has even started. I think there's something that needs to be pointed out. Their original offensive coordinator, not Art Bryles. Their original offensive coordinator got pulled to the NFL. They had a vacancy. That got filled with Art Bryles. Art Bryles then resigned due to all of the backlash and everything that came with it. We went through this on Friday through Friday, Monday, and I think even Tuesday. So when you're looking at all of it, we've detailed this story going countless episodes. So make sure you go back and listen to those if you have not yet. But Art Browse retired or resigned. I think it's really a retirement, but he resigned due to the backlash. And there are there are alumni who are not happy with that. There are alumni who have even asked for him to rescind his resignation. And one of the reasons that they said that is because, and this was Herman Arvey who said this, the the grambling is so behind the eight ball as far as finding an offensive coordinator. And he's completely right as that goes. See, with everything that was going on with Art, I kind of lost track of the timeline of everything. So when he resigned earlier this week, I'm just thinking, okay, well, he's resigned. Let's look at the ramifications of it. I'm not thinking, oh, it's the end of February. They start spring practice March 4th. So they're starting spring practice today. They obviously have not been able to find a replacement since then. This is a major, major hole. You never want to go into spring practice without a coordinator, whether that's offensive or defensive. But I think that having Hugh Jackson as the head coach is going to ease that blow, or at least it can ease that blow, but it's going to require Hugh to do something that I don't think he really wants to do. And that is be the main offensive play caller, be the main offensive game planner. Now, Art Art was a guy who you bring him in, he was going to run his own offense. I think that was very clear because you look at it, he's a head coach. He was a former head coach, excuse me. He is a guy who has a long resume of offensive success. He was going to come in and implement his own offense. He wasn't going to run a Hugh Jackson offense. He wasn't going to do anything. He was going to run a Bryles offense. And on the field, you felt pretty confident about that. 
He said, okay, well, I've seen him be successful. I've seen him do these things. I've seen him be able to lead somebody to a Heisman Trophy. I believe that he can help out. Well, let's look at Hugh's resume. He was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee State last year. He has been, oh, oh, he has overseen the development of quarterbacks on a collegiate level before. So you just got in a young quarterback who you hope is going to be your future for three years. He has three years of eligibility left. You're hoping that he's going to be your future for three years. Bringing in an offensive coordinator who can help him develop should be your primary interest. I don't care what anybody has to say, whether you like it or not. Quarterbacks are going to get special attention, and they are the most important person on the field. Period. Even in situations like Tennessee, they're deciding factors. Situations like San Francisco, they have great run games, but they're dis they're discussing replacing their quarterback because when it comes down to getting it done, your quarterback has to be the one who does it. The quarterback is a very important position, even in run first offenses. So bringing in an offensive coordinator who's going to develop this this quarterback just brought into your system is of the utmost importance. He was done that. He was called plays. Now, like I said, bringing in Art and having somebody who can run their own offense tells me that's not what he wanted to do. However, I look at the time. I look at everything that's going on. Grambling is about running out of time to do what they want to do. Grambling is only going to be able to do what they can because in spring practice, I don't want to go halfway through spring practice and have to implement another offense. You're going to have to implement an offense. Running 15 practices of vanilla offense because you don't know who's going to be your coordinator is a disservice to you. It's the service to your team. It's the disservice to your offense. So you're going to have to start implementing an, an offense now. And I wouldn't want to switch it halfway through spring. And I also wouldn't want to switch it after, you know, going into the fall. But like I said, Grambling is starting to run out of time of doing things they want to do. They're only going to be able to do things that they can do. And one thing that they can do is promote from within. Now, what that would mean is likely it would have to be Hugh calling the plays, Hugh being the, the game planner of the week, having more on his plate than I think that he really wanted to have but it's going to be what he has to do. And he'll be the guy calling and you have a figurehead offensive coordinator because you do have to fill that position. So with that happening, you're going to you're probably going to promote somebody who is offensive line coach, running backs coach, wide receiver coach. The only problem is those guys were all slotted in that place for a reason. There's a reason that that guy is a running back coach. He wasn't the offensive coordinator because that's not where they wanted him to be. And this is a first year tenure. Most times when you promote within, it's with guys who have been there for a while. They understand the system. They understand the scheme. And it's about continuity. There is no continuity because Hugh Jackson has not coached Grambling before. But if this is what you want to do, it would be a Hugh Jackson offense. Because that, that way you can implement your offense now because you have to start now. And whatever offense you start, you might want to just keep carrying on with. And you have Hugh be your offensive coordinator. But he's really your head coach. And you have somebody who was a positional coach have them have the title of offensive coordinator only really in name and maybe as an assistant, but for the real, it's going to be Hugh Jackson as your coordinator who's planning these games, who's, who's going to be calling plays. That way you have an offensive coordinator and you also have the continuity that you're going to build during the spring. No, they don't have any tenure, but the spring practice is where you start building and that's what you want to keep constant. I would hate to bring these guys and say, you're going to learn this offense for four weeks and then later on, you're going to learn a, a complete another offense. Puts them behind the eight ball more than they already are. So, unfortunately, 
you know, that Grambling was forced to be sloughed of Art Bryles. You know, he had to resign and that made him have to depart. You know, you feel how you want to feel about that decision. But now that it's done, they're behind the eight ball. And I think Hugh Jackson being the main game planner and main play caller for Grambling's offense this year is a way to make that major vacancy a little bit more minor. Now, going forward, we're going to slide to another part of Louisiana. We're going to talk about the Southern Jaguars and their, bas in their basketball team and how they have completely collapsed after I came in there and told them it was their position to lose at the top seed of the SWAC. Now, first, I want to tell you about Run Your Pool because come talk to us, runyourpool.com slash locked on. Come play and have a chance of winning a cash prize against me and other locked on hosts. This should be a, a grand time because they have a lot of they have a lot of different features that run your pool. March Madness is only a couple of weeks away, so I know where I want to run all of my brackets at. And I'm going on there myself. When they announce the brackets, I'm going to do it on my own bracket because even as a novice, they have all of these details and, and just breakdowns of these teams more than ESPN and CBS is going to offer. And they're going to help me be able to make my picks. And that's the best thing about it for me. And more than just the standard, they also have Survivor. They have different types of brackets, and you can edit the scoring. It's so much fun on there because it's just about having fun. And you don't have to just play with us. When you go, go make one for your, for your family. Make one for your office. Go to runyourpool.com. Use the promo code PUREMADNESS for $10 off at checkout. Do you want the usual or you want the best? If the answer is the latter, then runyourpool.com is the place to go. And join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. Now I want to tell you about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. They have so many flavors that it would take me the whole ad read just to list off all of them. And it'd probably take me two ad reads to list the, all the delicious ones because they are all tasty. You have a multitude of flavors. No matter what you like, there's something for you. You could try one, try another. I promise you, you won't try many before you find one that you find absolutely irresistible. They have 17 grams of protein and they have four grams of sugar and four net carbs. That's consistent. Now, here's the thing. They have this thing called Built Bar Puffs. And that has marshmallow in it. Now, remember what I just told you, 17 grams of protein, four, uh, four net carbs, and four grams of sugar with marshmallow covered in chocolate? That don't even make sense, but it's the truth. I'm not lying to you. You can open it up. You can read the nutritional facts. Built Bar has all of these delicious attributes like marshmallows and chocolate, but they have all of the health benefits as well. Now, when you find something that mesh right there, that's something that you have to get. And where you get it at is built.com using the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your offer. All right, as we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, thank you for making us your first listen of the day, every day. And you need to make sure that you're checking out the Bracket Breakdown show starting March 14th. It'll be on our YouTube page here on Locked On HBCU. Also, it'll be on our channel page as far as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You have Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, Andy Sterling giving everything that you need to know for this year's March Madness. And today's word of the day is slough. We already used it. It means to cast something off or to shed or basically to get rid of something ob objectionable and disadvantageous. Right. We talked about that when we were, we were saying um, Art Browse was leaving. We used that term at the back end of last segment. Rewind it, catch it, you know. But overall. Now we're going to get into Southern because Southern basketball on the men's side has absolutely collapsed since I came in and said that top seed was theirs to lose. I want to talk about the scenarios that come from them. I'm so excited because I get to break down tiebreakers and those things are just fun to me, right? So Southern, 
they came in and I crowned them, right? What didn't he mean? If you want to crown them, you want to crown them. And that's what I did. I crowned them. I said, after they knocked off Texas Southern, this was February 14th that the game happened, right? I said, this is their top seed to lose. I, I, I said, TSU was dead in the running of the SWAT first seed. This is just regular season. So we're just talking about getting into tournament play and winning a regular season championship. I said, they're dead. It's done. They can't get it. Southern would have to lose two more games than Texas Southern did. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. So I was wrong on that, but I did say they had to watch out for Alcorn. And unfortunately, Alcorn knocked off TSU. That was the one game that they lost. So reluctantly, I, you know, Alcorn is going to be your, your, um, your, your SWAT regular season champion. So it just came at the expense of my school, but it is what it is, right? It is what it is, but I can't really do anything about it now. But overall, I'm looking at Southern. Step up. What's going on? You're going in the tournament play, and this is not looking good. This is not looking good at all. I said that this was their top seed to lose, and that's exactly what they did in extremely disappointing fashion. Since saying that, they have lost three of four games. They knocked off FAMU. I thought that was a pretty good victory, but you would like to see them be more consistent. They lost to Grambling. They lost to Bethune-Cookman, and they lost to Alabama State. Those last two that I named, those are the ones where it gets a little unacceptable for me. And this isn't to say that Alabama State and, and Bethune-Cookman can't be quality teams. They're 9-10, and 10, right? They're knocking on the door. But if they were the eight seed and this is the tournament, you're the number one seed, you lose, you're packing your bags, you're going home now. This isn't a, this is one single elimination. This is disappointing. If you're Southern, you're not sitting there saying, man, we should lose the teams that aren't even in the tournament. You should be disappointed about that. And I think that those two losses are the ones that really declare that as a collapse to me. And right now you're the number three seed. And there's nothing wrong with being the number three seed, but it's about being the context or remembering the context around where we were at. You're the number three seed because you lost three out of your last four games. You had the green light. You had the, you were in the fast lane headed to the number one seed and you just don't get it done. Now, we sit here at the number three seed. At the if the uh, tournament were to start today, you'd be playing Grambling, who has already swept you. Not an advantageous position for you. Not a favorable matchup. Not something that you are happy about. And they they beat you. I don't mind losing to Grambling. That happens. You know that was one of the games when looking at their schedule. I said, you know what, they might lose this game, and they did. But I didn't expect them to lose to Alabama State and Bethune Cookman. So now let's look at the tiebreakers, and this is why I have fun, right? I'm excited for this. So they're at number two. Or they can be at two, and they can be as low as four. Those are the that's the, their range. Alcorn has the the number one seed wrapped up, so they can get to number two if they win, and TSU loses. That would make a tie between the two, and Southern has swept Texas Southern. So now they would have the tiebreaker. Now they would be at three. There's a lot of ways they could be at three. If they lose, or if they win, and Texas Southern wins, they're at three. TSU already has a one game lead on them, so. TSU is just playing. They win. They're the number two seed. But let's get to Southern, right? The Jaguars. Then there's some more. If they lose and FAMU wins, they would win a three-way tie between uh, Southern, FAMU, and Alabama A&M. That's if they lose. Now, if they win, they, they're, they're, they're good, right? But if they lose, they need FAMU to win to ensure that they will for sure be the number two seed or number three seed. Another way that it can happen is if they if they lose, it's get complicated here. If they lose and FAMU loses, they need to make sure that Southern loses to Alabama AM, right? 
Southern needs to make sure that they lose by less than nine because then it becomes a point differential thing where if in a head-to-head, if it's a tie, it goes a point differential and Southern beat Alabama and by nine the first time that they played. So if they lose, FAMU loses, and they lose by more than nine, then Alabama A&M would move up and Southern would drop down to the four seed. So that's what it's about. If FAMU loses, now you have the game versus Southern and Alabama A&M. If the point differential is between, if it's less, less than nine, Southern has the tiebreaker. If it's more than nine, Alabama A&M has the tiebreaker. And if it's nine on the dot, then it's just a coin flip. And whatever happens, happens, right? You ask Harvey Dent who's going to win that one. But those are the tiebreakers. They can go anywhere from two to four. And this is extremely disappointing for a team that you feel like had the inside track to being the number one seed in the tournament. But going forward, I have a special twist on our feature Friday. I have my guy, Chris Rose Voglu, a friend, right? Friend of the show and just a friend in real life coming on. And he's going to be discussing an article, a feature that he wrote about Deion Sanders. So that's just a little spin. We have a feature that was written that's going to be a part of our feature Friday. Going forward, I'm going to tell you about betonline.net because betonline.net is on fire right now. They dropped their NFL MVP odds. They have their NBA MVP odds. And then also they have your AP top 10 as far as who's in the top 10 for collegiate basketball right now. Their tournament odds. I started with the ones that are the farthest away and then came to one that's the most immediate just to show you how prepared betonline.net is right we're talking about an nfl season we haven't even gotten to the combine speaking of the combine they also have ways to bet on that who's going to run like this are these particular records that have been in place for a while going to be broken it's so many things right and i didn't even mention they also have your ncaa world series odds so go ahead and check out locked on longhorns with my guy john he's going to be speaking on the favorites for the ncaa world series which is your texas longhorns don't like that they have boxing ufc they even have your favorite vegas casino games they have anything and everything that you could possibly want as far as uh, betting and wagering goes bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts All right, with me, I have Chris Rose Voglu, a good friend of mine and a writer at The Spun. It's kind of weird saying that and not straight up Saints like usual. But you had a feature with Deion Sanders talking about a variety of things, whether it's fishing and, and playing football at Jackson State, coaching and his injury history, all of these things that we'll get into. What was your biggest takeaway in that interview? I would say my biggest takeaway is that Dion is super serious about like the right now in terms of building Jackson State. Like I think so many people are focused about his next move. And and I think with a guy like him who's having a lot of success, that next move is it almost feels inevitable. But I feel like right now, at least the next two years, maybe three years, I feel like he's just so into making sure he builds Jackson State to whatever the, the best version of themselves. And obviously they looked great last year and he wants to take them to another level. And that's what I kind of took away with it, you know, because you can link him to NFL jobs. He doesn't want it. You can talk about power five jobs. He doesn't really want to talk about that right now. Like he is so locked in on what he's doing at Jackson state. And I, and I think that's an encouraging sign for obviously uh, your listeners, obviously for, for lock on HBCU and, and anyone who wants to see him kind of change the landscape of college football, which he's doing. 
I think it's going to be interesting to see what the next year or two have in store for him. Yeah, and I think that with the with the idea of Deion Sanders and the success that he's having as a coach, I think, like you said, it's inevitable that people at least discuss it. As of right now, do you think the idea of him going to the professional level, him going to a power five level, or just him leaving Jackson State in general is more outside noise rather than things that are really affecting them internally? Yeah, I think it's all outside noise, and I think it's good noise in the sense that he appreciates it because if he wasn't doing a great job at Jackson State, we're probably not talking about, oh, will he coach at a Power 5 in a couple of years from now, or oh, should the, the Cowboys consider him because he was a former Cowboys player? Like, no, he, he has to do his job well in order to be, uh, you know, have his name thrown into that hat, but I don't think he's worried about it at all. I mean, when, when I spoke to him, he made it so clear that he is so locked in on the next season just being somewhere where, okay, they were 11 and two. How can they take that a step further? And obviously there's not much room to grow when you win 11 games, but it's how they're winning those games. He doesn't just want to win, you know, in a style where it's, you know, 24, 17 or something. That's his team. We can dominant. I don't expect him to be off. I expect laser for him and, and also his team because they're a team that's ascending. And, and, you know, you look at obviously like their quarterback room is Shador Sanders you expect growth there. And if that happens, this is going to be an even better team. Yeah. I think that the growth of Shador is probably at least top three, most important things looking for Jackson state going into next year. There's some other things in the mix, like replenishing some of the talent that uh that's gone, but also I want to keep that narrative of, of his coaching going. And you discussed something I thought was a defining moment of his preseason last year. And that was a, an, a press conference where this guy just refused to call him coach. I, I I found that to be extremely disrespectful. Uh, coach Sanders found that to be extremely disrespectful. Now we're fast forwarding almost a year later. Do you think that Dion is still earning his his respect as a coach, or do you think it's there now? I think for the most part it's there. I do think there, you know, if we're going from not the media, we're just going from a fan perspective. I think there are too many people that are, are a little bit in their feelings when it comes to to uh, Deion Sanders because he does things his way, and maybe they don't like that it's different, but he's not doing it the wrong way. It's it's, it's his spin on things. But I think for that particular incident, and I remember, you know, when it happened, it wasn't so much the first time; it was the second time because I think for some coaches they they won't mind. Like maybe maybe. Nick Saban doesn't mind being called Nick. Maybe he doesn't, but if Deion Sanders tells you, refer to me, you know, as Coach Prime, Coach, Coach Sanders, whatever, don't refer to me as Deion, and then you do it two seconds later, that that's where it kind of comes off as being disrespectful. So I was just curious for his stance on that. I thought it was interesting that he said he'd welcome him back to that event because I think that's his way of showing, at the end of the day, you, you can do what you want to do. I'm still having my success. It's not going to bother me, but I, I do think he's getting that respect more and more, and I think that the the coach prime nickname at the very least and, and i know that's something he does like i think that is drawing a little bit more attention so you know if people don't want to call him coach or coach sanders nothing wrong with coach prime it's it's pretty cool yeah i do think it's pretty cool and this is just a, a point of look i said call me this i i gave you grace and then you called me that and like just right back to back and just complete disregarded what i wanted but um as far as him being different and him being unique i thought there was Something that I found funny in there, and that was the parallel that Deion Sanders drew from coaching and fishing. I, I thought that was just the We're not going to give the whole article away, but I do want to talk about that particular answer. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised with someone like him. And that, and that's what I was noticing because that was my first time. And, and even if it's my last time speaking to him, I'll, I'm obviously grateful for it. But 
everything he does, it's 110%, every single thing. And I, I took that away from, from that. And he made a good point. It's about team effort. And I think an event like that, you might think it's nothing, but he's spending that time out on the water with Shador. He's spending it with Travis. And all of a sudden, you're noticing it's it's March, the first week of March, and he's doing a good job already bonding two of his most talented players and and kind of building that connection there. So I'm not surprised. Uh, I don't know if maybe he'll be as competitive on the water as he would be on the football field or coaching. He made it seem like he is, but I could see him maybe, you know, dropping down a, a notch or two. But he is so big on the the team collaboration effort of things. And and you talked about it even for fishing. So I, I enjoy just his perspective on life in general. And, and for this particular situation with the event he was doing, it, it so happened to be fishing. Yeah. And I think that the ability to connect some things that are, seemingly so far disassociated it just it just speaks towards his preparation his leadership qualities and you spoke on travis hunter he gave you some inside information on how that how that um signing ended up going down just give a little bit of that for us yeah i think you know for a lot of people including myself i remember covering it when we were talking about it on the spun and, and we were all just kind of surprised not so much that that you know, Deion Sanders was the one to land Travis Hunter is more so that we don't expect that. And, and maybe that's wrong of us. And I'm glad that we're actually entering an era now where any school can land any recruit, because I believe it's like a month later, they end up landing a four-star wide receiver. So he just keeps building and building. So for him, he wasn't surprised. He expected it. He, he made a funny joke about how if he was a good kid. He'd expect Santa to bring him a present because he was a good kid. And I kind of like that analogy because it's just his way of saying I'm I'm Dion freaking Sanders and and people are going to want to play for me because I am not only have the the experience he's a good coach he's a good motivator and I think for anyone worried about oh what if you know Travis went to a different school would he be able to develop arguably the best cornerback of all time who also played on the other side of the ball is going to coach up a kid who can play both sides of the football and I'm so fascinated to see how they're going to use him. And it's also worth noting Jackson State has a cornerback available in this year's draft who, who could end up being taken. So I think that it was a great fit. I think that this is just the beginning as to who he's going to go after in terms of trying to recruit. And I think that if we're going to change the the landscape of college football in general, this is, this is going to be one of the starting points. So Coach Sanders wasn't surprised. I was surprised admittedly when I when it happened, but when you listen to him, I almost feel like if I wish I was a fly on the wall in their conversations because I, I'd imagine if you're Travis having those conversations, it's almost like, how can I tell Coach Prime no? It's like just listening to you know the recruiting pitch he makes, you probably have to say yes. So um, it, it really is fascinating. Yeah, hey, he he invited you to be a, a a fly on the wall. He told you come out to one of those homecomings. So maybe maybe we'll hook up. We'll we'll see. We'll get you down there, maybe to a Jackson State homecoming. I ain't that far. We'll bring you down from New York. Well, I have a good time with that. But I appreciate you covering all this show. My guy, Chris Rose Vogel, you can find him on the Spun. You can find him on Straight Up Saints. And you can find – give you at Give you ad on Twitter for him. Yeah, my, my Twitter handle is Rose Vogel Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report. People can follow me there. Yeah, I wanted to make sure because I knew I was going to have to spell it. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I would have to spell it on the spot. I could say it, but spelling is another story. It, but it uh, is. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's greatly appreciated. Appreciate you having me. You just heard Chris Rose Voglu of The Spun come on in detail. His sit-down with Jackson State head coach Deion Sanders. Just an interesting twist that we put on Feature Friday. So that's why you come and you make Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day. 
every day and we'll be back at you with the best hbcu coverage on monday and in the meantime in between time you can find me on that blue app that bird yes twitter at south exclusives until the next time that we hear each other family take care stay blessed peace